Inside the Podcast. My name is Tyler Bublitz, and welcome back to the third Sunday after Epiphany for the week of January 26th, 2020, and I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to dig into this week's podcast, and I'm excited that we get the second week of looking at the calling of the disciples, this week coming out of the Gospel of Matthew instead of the Gospel of John, and there's some really fun, intriguing, interesting correlations and things that we're debating and looking at with that. And I think that leads to some really interesting discussions this week. I think also the beautiful thing we get to deal with is just thinking about what does it mean to be called by Christ? What does it mean to be called into this relationship, called to be like a disciple? What does that actually mean? And it's a deep subject. It's a hard subject. It's something that I think it's a lifelong journey, like I've talked about with a few different other things. This understanding of what our calling, what is God calling us to do, and it makes for really interesting discussions and a lot of time to think, and I think that's what makes it really fun. But before we jump into this week's podcast, we have to look back at last week's Twitter question, which was, where in your life have you seen someone testify and later realize that they were right? And I think this is something that our culture at times is really easy to call out and not necessarily be humble about. So I think about especially in sports, you have a lot of people projecting where players are going to go or giving them player comparisons. And we're really quick to point out the places and times that we get it correct. And if we projected someone to be really good and they weren't, it's often that we really won't say much about that. And I think that's where it's difficult. But I think about also in my life, there's been people who have pointed out things about characters, things that they were noticing in me that I hadn't yet realized. There was things I was maybe growing into or people calling out flaws that I had that I had overlooked, the speck in my own eye that I wasn't seeing. And so I think that's where it can be really powerful. And I think at times we don't necessarily go through and do the recognition that we should to those people and help them realize how much they helped us in these times in our lives. And I think when we're looking at this text this week, I think there is some correlation, some tie-ins that we can look at and bring into it. So let's jump into it. The gospel text this week is out of Matthew chapter 4, verses 12 through 23. And like I stated, this is the Matthew text of calling the disciples. And stating it right away in verse 12, this is after John had been arrested, that we get this process of Jesus going out. And that this light is being shown into the darkness, which... We get reference here, not quite verbatim, but referencing the Isaiah text, which will be the first reading this week. But as he goes by the sea, Jesus saw Simon, who would be called Peter, and Andrew casting their nets as they were fishermen and calling them into relationship with him, calling them to follow him. You have James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John, who are with their father, casting nets, and they immediately left him when Jesus called, and that 
they were going to go and proclaim the good news. And what's really interesting that I picked up from text study this last week is out of the ESV study Bible, there's a little section discussing, and I'll attach a photo if I can this week to the text, discussing how the John text last week is probably about a year before this. So you're having that James and John know who Jesus is. And we discussed a little bit this week, which was really interesting. And again, I'll see if I can find some of his resources attached below. Chad Mayers has commentaries and discussions talking about Rome and how Rome had these people standing on the shore with essentially clipboards and how much fish that these people had to provide for Rome. So to have the idea that here is Jesus calling fishermen who were not allowed to be in the synagogue, these essentially, again, like we get in his birthing story of shepherds who are considered pretty much the low of the low, fishermen are in a similar situation, and Jesus pulling these teenagers to follow him. And again, it's this idea of pulling these people out of a different situation. So it's really interesting to be thinking about with this text that James and John, this is possibly a huge opportunity. And it's maybe something that has been somewhat discussed with their father, that because they've been interacting with Jesus, that they maybe have talked to their dad about, this is something that we would really like to see more about, have a teacher, have a rabbi that they'd be following. So there's a lot in this text to dig into, and I'm really excited to dig into it more this week out of a science context. The first reading this week is out of Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 through 4. And again, this is like we stated, this is where probably in here because it's referenced in the Matthew text and that this is in a way projecting this light coming in and helping bring the people together of Israel, helping bring the tribes together, that this light is going to shine, that's going to help bring forth the message and the uniting of the tribes of Israel. The psalm this week is Psalm 27, verses 1 and 4 through 9. And I would recommend, if you get the opportunity, this is a psalm of David crying out to the Lord to add in verses 2 and 3. Because the first verse is, The Lord is the light in my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? And it's verses 2 and 3 where David goes through the things that are worthy of being afraid. Things that should scare him. But then he goes into with verse 4 that how the Lord has continued to provide and how the Lord has continued to show and guide and that the God continues to be there in times of need and is there when he is needed the most and that he continues to reveal new revelations to David in this case, but continues to reveal new revelations to us as long as we continue to turn to him. The second reading is out of 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 10 through 18, and this picks up right where we left off last week, and that we are people of Christ. 
We are not people of being baptized by certain people. That we were baptized into the larger group of Christ. And so thus we don't need to be classifying ourselves or breaking ourselves down as I was baptized by Paul, I was baptized by Apollos, I was baptized by Cephas, I was baptized by Christ or belong to Christ, and that their interpretation of what's going on coming out of verse 12, but that we are one body of Christ. And I would argue if this is something that you're looking at preaching or it could be a very interesting text to preach on. And again, it gets back to what we've been talking about over the last four, five, six months is when is the church, lowercase c, going to become the church, capital C, that we're going to start seeing and moving toward us being the body of Christ instead of I'm a Lutheran and then these subsects of Lutheranism, I'm a Methodist, I'm a Baptist, I'm a, and we break our own selves down into all these subcategories where it makes it so that the body of Christ is not united. And this is exactly what Paul is pouring into in this time. Instead of finding reasons to not be the body and argue and fight over these different understandings. Instead, let's come together and be like Christ and go boldly forth in worship. So before I get in, how does this tie in with faith and science? I have to do my shameless plug for Working Preacher. If you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it. Between their Sermon Brainwaves podcasts, their commentaries, their discussions, it helps me on a weekly basis since I'm not an ordained minister be able to listen to four seminary professors discuss and break down not only these texts, but a lot of other texts and a lot of other Bible discussion. So if you haven't checked out workingpreacher.org, I'd highly recommend it. Second of all, if you haven't checked out God Friend of Me, I would recommend it and I would still argue it's the best thing on television. I know recently I caught up on a couple episodes, and actually the one from the first episode of this year, if you're a Jed Hirsch fan, he plays a Jewish man who survived the Holocaust and dealing with, in a way, connecting back to his family through heirlooms, and I don't want to totally spoil the whole show, But it's a very interesting show, and the thing that I really enjoyed about it is that he kept talking about the power of keeping the faith and how important keeping the faith is, no matter how much is going against you. And I think that's the case of what we're trying to find in a way with this podcast and our lives. But I think it ties in really well within our own faith life and just trying to understand and keep that centered. So again, being able to hear that on American national television, I think is amazing. So I would tell you to go and support CBS's God Friended Me. I again would argue it's the best thing on television. So as we are breaking this down and trying to find the faith and science context, a lot of this is going to be coming out of that Matthew text. And I think about James and John and the idea of Christ going to them and talking to them about being, and Peter and Andrew before, fisher of men. 
And thinking about and relating back to, like I stated, the John text from last week, that obviously Christ had seen something in them from the year prior and probably multiple interactions between that, that I see this more as a text of not Jesus pulling these out of this culture, but essentially Jesus seeing skills within them and challenging them to pull those skills out and utilize those skills. And he would help to develop those skills. And as I was thinking about this and trying to, how does this all tie together? There was a couple different things that ended up coming to my mind. So the first thing I actually thought about was you see with Egyptian crocodiles that they will at times go up on the shore and leave their mouths wide open. And this is where a specific bird, being the Egyptian plover, comes in and eats away at anything that's in the teeth of this crocodile. And I will attach some videos down below. It's definitely worth checking out. It's something that if you looked at it, I think this would be terrifying. And you start thinking about it from just the bird's perspective, because this isn't the only thing that birds will pick at the teeth of, but especially a crocodile that easily could have this bird for lunch. The faith that it takes to recognize that we have the ability to be able to do this, the faith that the crocodile isn't going to close its mouth, and the faith that I have skills that can benefit this crocodile. The faith to see having skills to benefit someone else in this way, I think is really important. And it's not just with land mammals. We definitely have the same thing happening with pilot fish. Pilot fish go around and will be one of the fish that kind of hang around sharks or these major carnivores. The idea being that they pick up different things that are around the shark. So maybe they're helping clean the shark themselves. After a kill, maybe they're getting a little bit of the kill themselves, helping keeping parasites off the shark. One of the thing, again, that they're going to open up their mouths and they're going to get the food scraps out of the teeth of the shark. In these two cases, I see it where nature, seeing that something else had the ability to do something that something else needed. The shark needed to have its teeth cleaned. It needed to get the stuff out of there. There just isn't dental floss for sharks. So what better than to have this fish swim in? The faith that it takes for the fish to come in, the faith it takes for the shark to trust that the fish is actually going to do its job and take care of this discomfort that the shark is having. This is a perfect example in ecology of mutualism. Mutualism is where two species are benefiting, or more, two species are benefiting each other, that they're helping each other for, and it's positive to both of them. In this case, again, with pilot fish, pilot fish are getting food, and the shark is having its teeth cleaned and getting any discomfort in its teeth taken away. We so often are looking for advantages and gains and different things of this nature, and sometimes I think 
causes us to feel like we aren't valuable. And I think it's really important to be able to see and understand that God has purpose for us. And there's going to be times where he's maybe calling us into an uncomfortable situation like these fish or birds are going into to be able to do the work that is set aside for us to do that plays into the abilities that we have. It doesn't mean just totally abandoning what we've been doing because there's still other food sources for this pilot fish. There's still other food sources for the Egyptian plover. It's something that they also do because they are good at something and they're using that to benefit someone else. And to me, that's the gospel in a little nutshell right there. And here we are. We have Jesus saying, you're good at being fishermen. I've spent time with you. I know that there are other skills and abilities that you have. We don't entirely know with how Jesus's ministry, what entirely happened with James and John and Andrew and Simon Peter. Do they have times where they can go back and help the family? Or when they finished their ministry, did they go on ministry trips, but then also were still doing fishing for the family at times too? It's not necessarily pulling people out just to do ministry, but it's also recognizing the skills and abilities that other people have to help benefit the greater good. It's one of the things that I think ecology is so awesome at studying, is realizing the balance and how many roles are in an ecosystem. How everybody has a role and it helps benefit the ecosystem as a whole. So everybody benefits. We as humans have to understand that we are trying to have that type of benefit with people around us, being of a mutual benefit to everyone around us. Are there skills and abilities that you have that aren't being utilized well? If that's the case, it's maybe time to be praying, is that a skill that God is wanting to use? Or is he saying, no, there's another skill that I'm either using in you or I want you to start utilizing this or I have another one that's coming that I'm planning on utilizing. We have to remember that the skills and abilities that we have are from God and the question then becomes, how can we use these to benefit others? How can we use these to help our ecosystems? Not just our human ecosystems, but our natural ecosystems too. How are we using the different skills and abilities and the communication skills and all of these to benefit the common good? Jesus is seeing at this point a time and opportunity to help benefit the common good. And yes, it means some sacrifice in this case. And there's a lot of times that maybe the sacrifice is just time. And sometimes the sacrifice is greater. But I think it's then being able to depict and understand the calling that God has for us. Not everyone is called to be a pastor. Sometimes it might be your calling is to be the biologist. And that there's something that you're doing there that God is utilizing and using. It's realizing the skills and abilities that we have to benefit as many people as we possibly can. And I know I typically have a little longer podcast, but I feel like that's really the point that I got to this week is we can even see in nature these different these different mutual relationships that benefit multiple people. And it's hard to see necessarily from the little bit of text that we have on how much of a hurt 
was this the Zebedee? And maybe it was a benefit. Maybe it was the benefit of being able to have his kids have a rabbi, have a teacher to follow. But obviously, Jesus was seeing skills in James and John and Simon Peter and Andrew that could be better utilized, that were placed in them that could benefit more people. So the Twitter question this week is, what are skills that you have that you feel like God's wanting you to use better? That's your personal question. The second question is, have you ever been in a situation where you've helped people realize the skills and abilities that they have? I know for me, in different times in my journey of life, I've done that. From teaching, to coaching, to being a friend, to being the person in high school at times, even just saying to someone, I really appreciate this in you. It's amazing how much a compliment can do. It's amazing how much encouraging someone can do. And if you look, the gator has to open its mouth, the shark has to open its mouth and allow and trust for someone to come in. And sometimes that's its compliment of, I trust you, do your thing, do your job, do the thing that you're good at, use your skills. And isn't that what we should be doing for each other every day? Because I look at nature and see that all around us. And I just decided to focus in on two easy examples this week. But I think it's something that we all can consider as we all are part of this human race and this thing on earth called the natural world. So we'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science.